Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. If I wanted promotion in my business, I would ask myself what additional responsibilities would be mine were I to be given this great promotion. What would I do? What would I say? What would I see? How would I act? And then in my imagination, I would begin to see and touch and do and act as I would outwardly see and touch and act were I in that position. Manifestation is a concept bandied about so much these days, it's crept into the vocabulary of every second millennial. And while it can be broadly defined as bringing something into your reality via your thoughts and beliefs, it's much more than just abundance affirmations and hashtags. And it's much more complicated too. Every thought we think and every word we speak is creating our future. I'm Jericho Mandiburg, and this is Beyond Belief. The Buddha is often credited as saying, with our thoughts, we make the world. And although that's a pretty poor translation, in Pali, the line would be something more like, all experiences are preceded by mind, having mind as their master created by mind. It's an idea that spawned innumerable belief systems and their respective profit margins here in the West. Broadly speaking, we in the West call this belief the law of attraction, the pillar of new thought tradition that's been thriving since the 19th century. But it's only in the last few years that politically progressive commentators have begun to unpack the social privilege of many of the law of attraction's promoters namely white, wealthy, spiritual influencers and business people. Does that make the law of attraction bogus? Something convenient for the affluent and irrelevant and unrealistic for the rest of us? Or does manifestation and the like have more to offer? We're going to find out, but first, a history lesson. So the New Thought branch of spirituality developed in the 19th century predominantly in the United States. And while a number of writers led to its development, Helena Blavatsky is the most widely cited. After traveling around the world, visiting a number of continents and supposedly encountering a group of spiritual adepts called the Masters of Ancient Wisdom, she was sent to Tibet to study. And eventually her work proposed that we could shape our reality using our thoughts. However, it's important to note that critics and biographers, at least some of her foreign adventures, were entirely fictitious. Apparently, she was in Europe for most of them. From the early 20th century, the law of attraction really picked up speed, with tons of authors offering their view of manifestation. In 1906, one William Walker Atkinson wrote under the pseudonym of Yogi Ramachakara, among others. According to him, he met a guy called Baba Bharata, a pupil of the late mystic Yogi Ramachakara, 
and the two of them decided to publish the work of the late guru in his name. The only problem is that no record exists of either Yogi Ramachakra or a Baba Bharata. If you've noticed a pattern emerging, you're not wrong. Most New Thought writers of the era claimed to be the inheritors of exoticized special knowledge, an articulation of the Orientalism that pervaded spirituality in the West, and still does even today. Neville Goddard is another prominent example, a New Thought writer who supposedly was taught by a mysterious Kabbalist known only as Abdullah. By the time Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich in 1937, New Thought leaders were majorly focused on manifesting abundance. In the 1980s, Jerry and Esther Hicks came to prominence with the latter purporting to channel messages about the law of attraction from non-physical beings, collectively referred to as Abraham. This was also the era of Louise Hay, Wayne Dyer, and many New Age manifestation experts that people still follow today. And just as everything that you see upon this planet was vibration first, thought upon longer until it became thought form and eventually has become physical manifestation, so everything is that way. Then in the early 21st century, we had Australian TV writer and producer Rhonda Bryan's documentary and associated book, The Secret, which single-handedly made the law of attraction, or the LOA as it's often known, something of a household name. You've probably been sitting there wondering, what is the secret? I'll tell you how I have come to understand it. And with more exposure came more debate, with critics in the spiritual community noting that the sellers of manifestation often occupy positions of privilege, such that they're prone to believing that if we all want something enough, we can all get it. Systemic justices of class and race be damned. Are the people who promote the law of attraction implying that the poor or othered somehow deserve to be downtrodden because they manifested it? Or is there room in the law of attraction to hold both the belief that manifestation is possible for all of us without denying the existence of inequality? today is someone who lives in alignment with the law of attraction and whose background in social justice and lived experience holding both privilege and marginalized identities in parallel is going to help us get into the nuances of manifestation. Aaron Rose is a new paradigm spiritual teacher, a transformational coach for public figures, an inclusive culture consultant, a motivational speaker, an energy worker, and as he says, a human being committed to changing and enjoying the world at the same time. Aaron's work has been featured in the New York Times, Greenpeace, HuffPo, and more, and his future world meditation is part of countless people's daily manifestation practice. Aaron Rose, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I want to dive right in and just ask you like, okay, so we're talking about manifestation and the law of attraction. I mean, how can we paraphrase what that is commonly understood to be? It's like, you know, the thoughts that you have reflect your, are then reflected in your external reality. But like, what does the law of attraction actually mean to you? Mm, what the law of attraction means to me is that we live in a vibrational universe, that everything 
around us, even that which seems very dense and very concrete is actually truly just energy that vibrates at different levels of frequency. And two things that are vibrating at the same frequency are drawn together. And two things that are vibrating at different frequencies are organically drawn apart. You can think about it like um, that classic metaphor of a cello playing a, no a note in a room and a cello that's not being played eventually synchronizes to that vibration. But if two people are playing two very dissonant notes on two different cellos, um, we're, that that experience is sort of drawn apart. It has that organic, like, this should stop <laughs> energy mm. behind it. And I think that the, the mainstream perception of the law of attraction, it makes me think about when I was a kid and I would wake up from amazing dreams to the nuanced nature of my actual earthly reality and be like, oh, I guess I can't be rich. Like, I guess I can't go on that adventure. And the way that understanding that if we can shift our internal vibration, that we can sync up with the experience that we truly want, the way that that's captured the public imagination, I think speaks to that sense of like, oh, magic is real. Oh, I'm not a completely disempowered person within this reality like i can actually have the experience that i want like there are rules to this game mm -hmm. <laughs> that i can co-create with and i really do think about it like co-creation where it is for me about surrendering to love to infinite intelligence and and asking that what i create is be for be for the highest good of all mm -hmm. um in addition to my individual human desires Lovely. That's a great summary. So in that, you know, we and with what you said, but also in general with the law of attraction, we hear a lot of like quantum physics, quantum mechanics language. What's going on with that? Like, how come we like speak in that way when we're speaking about this stuff? I think that we have an aspect of our collective consciousness that requires proof at this time. I think a lot of us are very used to legitimizing ourselves, to making sure that we are understood, to having sort of a like statement that then has many footnotes that explains why that statement is true. And um, for a lot of us who've been really conditioned to have a bad relationship to things like the idea of God or the idea of the universe because it was given to us in this way that actually felt extremely disempowering. There's a, a comfort in being able to say, not only can you pray to all that is and to the idea of love and have all of your dreams come true, but when you poke a particle that's been hanging out with another particle and you separate them by a million miles, they both react, you know, <laughs> and being able to map it scientifically, I think, is is satisfying and for me it's just cool too i love that intersection of spirituality and science mm, yeah you you say that so well because you're kind of talking about yeah like sometimes you know these things help legitimize how we think or what we want to believe do you think that sometimes like we're, we're leaning on science too much in order to kind of like justify what is faith like at what point can you just say like no this is just like a faith that i have and that's okay as well yeah, open permission slip. Like literally anyone who's listening right now, if you need to write yourself a permission slip just to believe in what you believe in, to have faith, to have wonder, go ahead and do that, right? Because it's for me, it's also all about like, what's the energy behind it? Is it fear or is it love, right? Is it so fun and expansive for me to like, go find like more quantum physics research that supports my idea of an infinitely loving universe in which we can co-create for the highest good of all? Or am I doing it because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be rejected from society and I'm not going to be loved if I don't prove this to other people. So it is about that, that internal integration for me. Mm. Earlier you were talking about how as humans on this planet, like we have a right to 
to go for what we deserve, to be empowered, to resist like the forces that would tell us that we're powerless, for example. If mind over matter is like an agreed upon concept, even if it's just this placebo effect, or even if it's just like a confirmation bias, like say that that's all it is and there's no like higher spiritual purpose, isn't that still a really nice um, way to live? Oh, completely. And that's what I go back to with let your experience be your guide is like every big change that I made in my life that now is reinforced by a set of beliefs about the nature of the universe, about what's possible. It started with me really getting to a level of willingness to say what I'm experiencing right now isn't working for me. Despite my story about how this is the right thing to do, I don't feel so good right now. And then saying and seeing, wow, when I live my life through an optimistic lens, my life is full of optimism inspiring experiences. And even though I might come back another 5,000 times to this planet, this lifetime is unique. And I wish to have experiences that are honoring of my highest expression of my humanity, which means joy and ease. And so, yeah, that perspective shift is in some ways also just a choice. Mm, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's kind of like people, and I'm really only speaking for myself here and my kind of like past selves, but there was a huge chunk of my life where I was like, I value being smart above anything else, being clever and being cool. It's funny to think that anyone would like put that over, you know, happiness. Not that it has to be one or the other necessarily, but in my case, I think that there were a lot of blocks to just letting myself be, just letting, knowing that if I went for a walk or ate something, I would feel better, you know, but actually like depriving myself of happiness in these little ways, because I don't know, I wanted to like read a book instead of drinking more water, which is kind of stupid. Anyway. No, this, this is, this is beautiful. I'm so glad you're sharing this because to me, it brings out two things. One is like who benefits from the story that nice things are cheesy, right? Even when I said the word joy and ease as like my birthrights of, as, as a human being that may actually trigger sort of an eye roll response in some people. I've definitely had clients who are like, don't say the word joy around me, <laughs> like where <laughs> it, it feels cheesy or too good to be true. And it's like, but can we bring our level of skepticism? and and revolutionary analysis to even that like what within me has been conditioned to reject the nourishment of all that i need and what within me has been conditioned to associate comfort with high levels of cortisol and adrenaline rather than an experience of ease yeah it's almost like you know, there, there are so many injustices in the world and pe there are so many hurt people. And I think people's immediate reaction is to think if I let go of like pain, for example, in certain areas of my life, then um, I don't know, like I'm, I'm letting someone else win or I'm just not like honoring like that pain because no one else will. So if I let it go, then, then what's it all for? And I think that's just kind of like a little microcosmic example of, I guess, like what we could call like the probably problematic elements of the law of attraction that I kind of want to get into you about. Mm. So there are privileges, there are inequalities, there is capitalism, blah, blah, blah. And all these things are the context in which a lot of people will dismiss the law of attraction, you know, and like they might feel that there are like uh, people out there who believe these things that are dismissing their experiences and saying that like it's super easy. 
Um, it's easy to get a car, make a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. So I think that there is a belief that equity is like somehow essentially opposed to the law of attraction. And I just want you to like speak to that. Totally. And I'll first say um, for folks who don't know me in my story that that experience of clinging to the pain of feeling like F anybody who thinks that you can just manifest happiness because look at what happened in my life, like experiencing lots of different iterations of violence and discrimination and feeling for a long time clinging to my experience of pain exactly for the reason that you said, because it was like I hadn't fully validated myself and I felt like if I let it go, then it was like letting go of the chance to be validated for what I experienced. And my perspective on the law of attraction as it intersects with social justice and systems of inequality is that we have to really understand that we're part of a collective consciousness, right? So that, yes, we are individual creators within our own reality, but what are the conditions that are creating that, right? What's the nervous system impact of the legacy of slavery, right? How has that curtailed our individual and collective imagination about what is possible for people of color? How has that put us all on different levels of autopilot about how we relate to each other, right? How has that created the conditions within the collective consciousness that says it's more likely for one person to succeed over the other, but understanding that really all, all of this, when we zoom out to that more scientific lens, it's all neutral. It's all energy, right? There's frequencies of abundance versus scarcity. There's frequencies of love versus fear. And we all have an equal opportunity to tap into those. Um, and I think that where, and there's obviously so much nuance here, and feel free to pull out anything that you feel like would serve the folks who are listening. But truly where I think people bristle at a lot of the mainstream law of attraction jargon conversation these days is this it's this very like high vibes only energy where it's like you mm -hmm. can't be negative because like get your negativity out of here because I don't want you to manifest negativity into my space and understanding the difference between a negative worldview and overall expectation of negative stimuli where it's like things don't work out for me i can't you know i'm disempowered um you know the world is out to get me versus organic natural human emotions like being sad being angry having a reaction to something that is dishonoring of your humanity dealing with the detritus of the unexpressed emotions of many generations of our ancestors that are still living within our literal physical bodies on a dna level um, and so i my approach is really one where that it doesn't require people to be in that hyper positive frame all the time it's about kind of the the underlying architecture of the world that you want to be living in if that mm. makes sense that's very interesting because I think that people have a perception of the law of attraction and manifestation as just like it's outward, outward, outward. And I guess to, to truly like use these principles in like a self-development way, but let alone like a social justice way, like it's really kind of about unpacking like those layers and layers and layers and layers. It's not necessarily enough to be like, you know, like the secret, like if I think great things, then great things will happen. Like... I guess what you're saying is it, it's so much deeper than that. It's so much more complicated than that. And it really starts with honoring what is currently there if you want to shift it. Like the last thing I guess you would encourage people to do is just like put it in a box in like your subconscious basement and leave it there to fester. 
Totally. And that is also subconsciously why so many of us have a negative reaction to people who are all high vibes only because it's like going into a nice house and smelling something coming from the basement because there isn't we, you know, no shade to anybody. But it's like you can sense if there's unprocessed emotion, right? If there is that like got to squish it down, got to be happy, got to be happy, got to be happy. And what you said really, I think this will support people is feeling into vibration on an embodied level like often the introduction to the law of attraction is like just think about a million dollars and then it will come to you it's like what does it feel like to embody abundance to embody the ease of knowing that what you need will always be there for you and really physically feeling into it and feeling into the energy of magnetism where you're not running around trying to bring it to you you in the same way that you you know sit at home trusting that your package is going to come in two days when you ordered it it's you're not like where's the package where's the package where's the package you're like obviously the package is coming to me like i ordered it right and and that level of what is natural because there's another perspective as well that helps us see things as simultaneously existing parallel realities where we can literally just step from one timeline into the next by reforming what feels natural for us so it's not just about like drawing physical things in it's about who we are truly being Mm -hmm. who we are am i a person that has the money i need am i a person who lives in a world that makes me feel hopeful Mm -hmm. yeah it's so much about identity and programming i think then maybe at first glance like newcomers to this stuff might think about right and then i guess like for people who care about the planet, who care about social justice and social change, which is every should be everyone, is everyone, what other ways can like people use these principles to, you know, like really bang on the system and like change stuff for the better? Completely. So this is where we can take that like revolutionary zeal that some of us feel and use it on the level of consciousness rather than when you receive like the propaganda of a negative stimuli in a commercial that you can tell is like teaching people that they're never going to be loved. Mm -hmm. It's like you catch it, right? And you're not the story that you have when you receive a negative stimuli or even news that something really unjust has happened. Is it, do you immediately go to the story of, well, this world sucks and this is just what happens in our world? Or is it, whoa, this is the old pattern playing out. This is not how it should be. And now I actually have a strong vision of what is the organic state of the world that I know is what we're moving towards. And, and that that is part of what I'm co-creating on earth rather than just being like, oh, this this is the worst. And I hate that this is happening. Or And of course this is happening, right? What feels natural to us on a level of humanity right now? constant chaos and violence and the idea that we're the worst and that somehow just by existing we're destroying the planet right like those are the dominant stories and so how can you actually be revolutionary not in bypassing not in saying like la 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 i'm not paying attention to injustice and disaster but by saying no the the dominant story i want to tell is that it's possible for us to get on the other side of these things The dominant story I want to tell is not that humanity is an inherently violent species and then we're going to all destroy each other or that we have to like manage how messed up we are like a chronic condition until we all die and like hopefully make it to like 70 or 80, but that our dysfunction has been programmed into us 
and it's not it's in us but not of us it isn't who we really are and we can actually clear it and end up on the other side of it and so it is really about a revolutionary consciousness upgrade it's about what stories are you telling about what's possible and it's also about training your nervous system and your mind to literally see images of the world that you want right like when you think about racial injustice do you just immediately only think about slavery or do you also have an image of what the world would feel like if white people actually fully made amends for slavery and we created the conditions for the psychic emotional physical financial healing that needs to happen right can we actually visualize that do we actually have that open as a possibility i in the last year worked with a major international environmental organization and i went into their office and what happened in there with the moment i walked into their office illustrates so profoundly the impact of our visualization of what's possible for the world this is an organization that's quote unquote protecting the environment um, and i walked in and i saw this beautiful image of this like blue whale on the wall and i was like drawn towards it and then it's like as i got close my stomach sank because i saw oh this whale's dead and it's caught in fishing line and then i panned down the hallway and it's image after image after image of environmental destruction there's literally an image of like a mushroom cloud on their con like within their <laughs> within their conference conference room walls right and there's very little imagery of the healed and hold natural environment that they're seeking to create right it's nothing but the reinforcement of we're going to continually never endingly be dealing with destruction and fighting we'll be right back with aaron rose in just a sec and he's going to tell us all about what our reaction to the horror of the news can tell us about our energetic predisposition also his thoughts on the weaponizing of the law of attraction and how to balance our need for justice with our desire for abundance. But at this point, I have a story similar to his to share. So in my geography classroom in high school, our teacher was an environmentalist and she had put a big poster above the chalkboard that quoted the teddy bears picnic saying, if you go down to the woods today, you're in for a big surprise with a picture of like miles of chopped down trees and cleared forest. And we all just looked at that every day. I've never really stopped to think about that. It was definitely an awareness raising exercise and it was great for us to be educated on the destruction of the environment and be outraged about it. But what next? The wording of that phrase seemed so final. I wonder how differently we might have felt, even subconsciously, about logging had the image come with another quote, maybe something more visionary or more empowering. I'm thinking Arundhati Roy's famous evocative line, another world is not only possible, she is on her way. On a quiet day, if I listen carefully, I hear her breathing. It's incredibly difficult to weigh up the efficacy of shame or outrage versus optimism or anticipation as the underlying force of our activism. But if I think of the great change makers of our age, I think of people with uncompromising hope and relentless vision. Given we live in a culture and in a content machine that deals in shock and indignation, it's an encouraging thought at the least. Are you afraid to color your hair at home? 
After some traumatic experiences in high school, I was too. I'm getting creative with some help from Madison Reed. Instead of going to the salon, I'll be using their at-home color hair kit and for a fraction of the price. Unlike many other hair color brands, their color is cruelty-free and it doesn't contain those famously harsh ingredients. That means no ammonia, no PPD, no parabens, no gluten, no titanium dioxide, and many more. It's incredibly convenient too. They deliver it right to your door at a time that suits you. So on your own schedule, you can do it yourself in under an hour. So get ammonia-free, multi-dimensional hair color delivered to your door starting at $22 at madison reed Com. And use my promo code BEYONDBELIEF and you'll get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit. My promo code again is BEYONDBELIEF. Visit madison-reed.com now to find your perfect shade. Now back to Aaron. When you receive extremely horrifying news for everybody listening, how does it actually land in your body? You may actually notice that it registers initially as a weirdly peaceful feeling as like a confirmation in the same way that like when you're trying to decide whether or not to break up with someone and they do something bad, you're like, oh, good. Mm. You're like, they're bad. Right. And it weirdly, if you haven't caught it yet, your nervous system is like, great, more chaos, great, more destruction. It's not about ignoring it, but it is about making sure that you're receiving, I would say three X at least three times the amount of positive stimuli of what um, what lies on the other side? Because the other thing too is that parts of the world are burning, parts of the world are having a really hard time. But I've been in quite the nomadic flow the last year, and I have seen some absolutely majestic places and people. There is so much happening on Earth right now that is actually incredible, right? And so even just what is real—is it just the bad stuff on the news, or is it also the positive interactions you're having with other people and like the beautiful tree that grows outside your house? Yeah. Um, okay. So also people who are skeptical or critical of the law of attraction and manifestation beliefs in general would also take it a step further and say, you know, some of these things in certain people's hands can be dangerous because, you know, people are out to make money. There's like manipulation. It might feel like there's like a process of like dangling carrots in front of vulnerable people when it comes to this stuff. And I want to know, like, as someone who doesn't do that, like, how do you feel? Like, is this just a matter of like a few bad eggs and maybe the way that it's blown out of proportion or given extra attention is is part of people's unwillingness to think how, how could things be different? How could I change my thinking? But I just want to get your thoughts on that. Totally. Yeah. I think that there's, there's a wide spectrum of teachers. I think that if your first instinct is to critique the messenger and to not receive any of the message, then what part of you is still running a program that is committed to you continuing to create a reality that doesn't actually work for you? Because that's the, the other thing. You're already creating a reality. Everything that's natural to you that continues to just happen is because that's part of your internal self-concept, even if it's a lot of negative stuff. But there may be stuff that you're just like, yeah, I always find a parking spot. Even though the world is messed up, I always find a parking spot. If that's a story you tell yourself all the time, you're creating that. Congrats. It's already happening. That felt important to anchor in. And I would say, too, like, really, how free do you want to be? 
Are you unwilling to continue to experience your life as you've been experiencing it? Are you unwilling to continue to experience the world as you've been experiencing it? How are the tools that you're currently using working? I was a scream at people and lock myself to things level activist who had a lot of anger, which is still a totally viable strategy, depending on the energy behind it. But I had a really angry assessment of the world and my life did not feel good. I was in a perpetual loop of not having what I needed, of receiving confirmation that the world was bad. And eventually I decided that I was not willing to continue to have that experience. And when I did, people who I previously thought of as not legit, as not resonant as teachers, all of a sudden I was a little bit more willing to listen to what they were saying. And the last piece coming in here is really let your experience be your guide. Like I'm not trying to convince you to care about the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm here to give you <laughs> in this moment the invitation to receive more tools if you're looking for more tools. And truly that if you take it from this place of, of deep self-empowerment, you can take what resonates and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. I love that saying. <laughs> Me too, because it is really empowering. It's, it's like, yeah. what is your, what's your internal self-concept if mm -hmm. you feel at the mercy of someone who's just advertising something on Instagram? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, unfollow them yep. and figure out how you're going to create the life that you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the law of attraction, the way that you're explaining it is so deeply rooted in like what's going on for you internally. Like what's your internal compass? Like you are sovereign and, you know, if you find yourself in situations where um, somebody is is asking you to compromise that, then you know that that's definitely not the place you want to be. Completely. And the whole thing is, you know, the alchemy of coming back to yourself, right? I Many people have, especially as they're stepping into spiritual practice, have unaligned experiences with teachers, right? Who have a little bit more of that, what we might call guru consciousness, mm -hmm. <laughs> where they are much happier being on a pedestal right and you feel like you have to be a little bit below them rather than a bit more of a peer-to-peer -peer exchange and i myself had my own experiences of being like wow like i really gave my power over to that person right and then releasing that connection and welcoming in um, more and more teachers and collaborators and peers who i felt like i could learn from in a way that was honoring of of my own internal wisdom so mm. that that's part of the process as well so much of this is like bound up, I think, also in the material, because when people first hear about these ideas, they hear about it in a context of like think and grow rich and like stuff about money. You know, it's like very money focused in the, in the mainstream understanding. And they're probably the most successful figureheads as well, for obvious reasons, because everyone like needs more. <laughs> so if that is like the the issue or like the resistance point for people with this stuff because they're like, well, the world is literally messed up and like we all need to be focusing on like how to fix it and not like how we can personally achieve more material abundance. Some people, I guess, would would argue from the law of attraction side that that means that they're just resisting money. Like maybe they don't feel like they um, deserve material abundance. Is that a fair explanation? Like if people are, are resisting this kind of more like material side of, of these principles, is that because maybe they think that they don't deserve it or is that because they feel guilt or is there like, you know, a, a, a valid like critique of the fact that all of this is isn't existing in a vacuum. It's coming through the context of capitalism and how the world is today and maybe that that should be questioned. Mm. 
so much here and I'm so glad we're talking about this. Lately, I've been feeling extremely called to talk about money because mm -hmm. abundance is our natural state of being. There is nothing wrong with having what you need. I could be floating up in the 44th dimension with the rest of all of my higher self right now, but I'm here. And in yeah. order to be here, I need certain things. And I also came to enjoy earth, right? And there is nothing wrong with having desires. It's the creative impulse within you that is constantly seeking to express itself in new ways. And what would happen if you gave yourself permission to have the resources to actually create the wild dreams that you have? And I'll, and I'll pause here, but if you want to hear any more wild examples, even from my own life, I'm happy to share them because um, it's so fun when you start to just dream without worrying about what it's going to cost. Mm, mm. It is also so often the people that have the least that give the most. And so, so much of this is, is really mindset regardless of your surroundings. The surroundings are kind of almost like superfluous to thinking in this way. Completely. And it's this duality and this paradox because I completely agree. And I think that you can raise someone with the mindset that they always have what they need to live their dreams and that they never have to worry about whether or not they can accomplish what they feel called to do. And you can, it does feel important. You know, there's an energy where it's like, how little money can I get by on, right? Like, where are we still kind of like hooked on achieving with so little? Um, and obviously, you know, there's value in all of it. But right now, I think that there's value in looking at the ways in which we are currently cutting ourselves off from resources that are available to us and perpetuating a distorted energy exchange where if I feel like, you know, if we're going to do work together and I'm like, well, I don't want to charge Jericho too much because like I associate charging people with like taking things away from them. And so like, what's the minimum amount I can do it for where like, it's actually worth it for me. Okay. Like, let me name that. And that keeps me from bringing the fullest expression of myself to our interaction. It keeps my value exchange lowered because I'm not actually receiving enough in return to fully show up and then completely dishonors you by making the assumption that you're not ready and willing and able to enter an equal value exchange with me. And it leaves you feeling like you maybe took things from me in a weird way or like in a little bit of a distorted frequency and it leaves me potentially resentful of you and then having to scramble to have like five times more clients because I'm not charging enough to fully be present in our interaction and it just it's like that constant outsourcing of the lack mm -hmm. rather than just being like whoa what if we both fully showed up hmm. okay so I have one more thought about this like particular train that we're on. So like I grew up really working class, right? And I, we didn't have money and I've always wanted and felt that I deserved more. And so you have to take everything that I'm saying here with that grain of salt. Like I have kind of like a hurt, you know, like I'm coming from a place of like lack a little bit just by having and this I, conversation. And I really want to honor that too. And also just give context for myself, which is that I grew up in a one bedroom apartment with 500 people in New York City and had lived most of my 20s, like surviving on dollar pizza in New York City and had a major experience, like, thank God I found a dollar on the street. Now I can take the subway level mm -hmm. of scarcity experience that now due to being triggered enough by people saying the things that I'm now saying here. <laughs> I was able to shift my perspective, which is why I'm so passionate about talking about it. So, yeah, so right. I, and I really want to honor all the pain that there is when we feel so disempowered around just being like, 
but I know I deserve it. So why don't I have it? Like, it's so it's maddening. Mm hmm. And on the kind of the, the the other side of that coin, I guess, it, as me, as someone kind of that felt, it's all relative, but felt that I was on like a more kind of like bottom echelon looking up in wellness, in spirituality today, like when people are critiquing manifestation and law of attraction and things like that, we're, we're doing it as a like, you know, majority white voices, privileged voices conversation. And I just want to know, like, how much do you think that within these critiques, like there is an element of denying privilege or denying responsibility and saying like, oh, you know, like uh, wanting more like financial abundance, for example, isn't honorable and that that might actually be coming from a place of, you know, people's like natural tendency to shun their own ability to really create a lot of change in the world if they took that responsibility to another level. Oh, there's so much here. And and absolutely, I, I agree. I think that often we, I actually literally wrote on Instagram as I was coming here, why are you so scared to have your dreams come true? What would happen? if you had the resources. And that was my path was I was, I have a very big mission. I was very called to it in very clear ways for my whole life. And I eventually had to look at the space between where I knew I needed to be, where I was and how allowing myself to have resources financially and emotionally support wise as well was what was needed to close that gap, right? And to stop denying my full self-expression to the world. So I think it is that very understandable fear of like, whoa, if I had a full tank of gas, where would I go? Mm. <laughs> and that- And for people that, sorry to interrupt, yeah, for people that like do have a lot of resources and do have a full tank of gas, am I willing to actually look in the mirror and confront like, what am I, what am I gonna do with this? Exactly. And, and I do think that there is that piece as well, because this is an aspect of my work is looking at where did, you know, if you already have a full tank of gas, where did that money come from? What needs to be paid back and for in, in terms of reparations? Like, what do you need to do to be energetically right with the resources that you have? That's that's definitely an important part of the process. And something that was coming through before and just came back was this, you know, the idea that, you know, yes, we're having this conversation within a majority white, well-off, spiritual wellness influencer Instagram <laughs> world. So interesting, this incarnation on earth, so many realms. Um, but also, you know, I do a lot of work with with indigenous groups and and that's been especially a big part of this last year. And it's like, okay, what what's happening when someone who's connected to the land goes out and prays to the four directions, right? And does movements with their body where they're honoring the water, where they're honoring and receiving the sun, where they're receiving the wind, they are syncing up with the organic frequency of abundance. That is, would they call it law of attraction? <laughs> Maybe not, but would they call it doing what I need to do so that I feel good within myself and so that I'm in right relationship with all the elements around me so that I stay an equal abundant contributor to this natural system that I'm a part of? that's an aspect of, of the way that they're looking at it. So we're making sense of it in this current social political context, but obviously there's, there's so many different ways of working with the same universal law. Mm -hmm. And hu every single group of humans ever has been trying to make sense of this question and how to balance connection to love, connection to source, and the delights of the earthly realm and how to access them in a way that works for us. Mm. 
Oh, I love it. And it's such a good note to end on. But I also just want to ask you, is there anything else that you think that people really need to know about the law of attraction right now? What I would say is that my whole life changed when I accepted that I was a creator of my own reality, right? That I could take 100% responsibility for my experience in a way that did not diminish the pain I've experienced, that did not write off the injustices that other people were committing, um, and that truly tapped me into that childlike sense of wonder and excitement about what I could do with my life. And if that is something that you are that you feel called to, if there's even a little glimmer of, of hope within the cynicism, just explore it, get curious about it, right? And, and, and do it from a place of honoring yourself, right? You don't have to follow anyone else's advice on Instagram or on this podcast. If you're interested in having a different experience, take that next step and even set that intention. I would like to receive an understanding of the law of attraction of this idea that I can create the reality I desire in a way that works for me and in a way that is in alignment with the highest good of all and is free from any of these distortions. And then let me know who shows up because I'd love to know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Wasn't that fascinating? It really opened up the possibilities and the perspectives that the law of attraction can contain. And it made me ask, just because a subject has a certain image perpetrated by a majority, does that mean we should throw the cosmic baby out with the bathwater? After all, I personally feel like most pop songs on the radio today completely suck, but I'm not about to boycott all music. While the law of attraction is certainly utilized, and I would suggest weaponized by some people with a privileged worldview of reality or an agenda, and while history in its formation is a lesson in spiritual colonialism, however well-intentioned, real manifesting doesn't belong to anyone. The laws of the universe don't abide by our rules or our labels. Perhaps the realest and most effective kind of manifestation isn't even measurable. And crucially, in Aaron's view, we're all manifesting, all the time, whether we like it or not, both in our individual lives and collectively. How interesting to view the world's greed or injustices or violence as a collective manifestation of the forces and beliefs that are influencing us by the powers that be. And if they, the few, can manifest that, imagine what we, the many, are capable of. The possibilities are infinite. If you liked this episode of Beyond Belief, then you can help manifest us more listeners just rate, review, or subscribe to this podcast. We'd love to see you here more often. And if you have any thoughts or feedback, you can always send me a DM on Instagram at jerico.mandyburr. Beyond Belief is a Wonder Media Network production recorded on Tongva land and edited and produced by Liz Smith with the support of Edie Allard. Wonder Media Network is a women-led podcasting company dedicated to lifting up underrepresented voices based in New York City. 